Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your spurs. Hello, welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 12, episode 16. I'm ASD. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. Oh, see, it's oh, been so it's long, we long. don't even know what order we're doing it in. <laughs> no. I'll tell you what I do for them. Spurs are on their way to Wembley. <laughs> oh. uh, we've got two games to talk about. Chris, you were both of them. Uh, tell us about Villa. Bit of a dark atmosphere before it started, right? Do you mean Palace? Palace. What did I say? Villa. I've been, I've been getting yeah. that wrong all weekend. Yeah, Palace. Sorry. It was, I'll tell you, I was outside waiting for my mate and there were there was a police escort coming. So it was obviously like our kind of you know our hardcore fans being escorted from the tube or whatever or from the nearest station or whatever and they were they were singing Daniel Levy it should have been you so I think there's something to say that like you know as fans got our um, every right to hold an opinion to say that you want the you know that you've got something to say about the ownership of the club and all the rest of it absolutely we pay our money it's important but I also think we have to kind of like make sure that we remember like humanity. Um, and to be saying that, I just think was like it was well off and it just and it felt really kind of it it just it it felt toxic. And I, I you know, people throw that word around, but it felt it didn't feel at all. It felt really edgy and just like it could it felt volatile let's say once to be fair once we got inside there was much less of that there was lots of Daniel Levy get out of our club and that was you know one nil up two nil up three nil up and four nil up um and you know I I think you know my view on this it's like you know look I get it and I think you know people should have be able to have their opinions and I'm quite clear that they haven't necessarily always made the right decisions. You know, we've said this a million times on this pod. If you, if we'd invested um, in the way that Poch wanted to at that kind of crucial moment, we could have gone on to do all sorts of things and we didn't, Um, you know, and there have, and you know, the decisions lately have been interesting in the sense that if you're going to hire short-term managers, then you have to give them the short-term budgets that they need and all of that kind of stuff. However, and I know this is really boring, but you have to be careful what you wish for, because the only people that buy football clubs now are sports washers or very rich people that want to extract money and value from the football club. And I think the one thing I think I know about Daniel Levy, I don't know um, necessarily about Joe Lewis, don't you know, because he he says even less than Levy does. Is he does care about the football club. Yeah, of course, it's making money. Yeah, that's right. You've got, you know, you do have a business to run, but he does care about that football club. and and what what state were we in beforehand? I was talking to a couple of the guys that sit near me and they're, you know, older than I am. And they're like, you've got to remember we were what we what it was like before. We were delighted to finish 10th. You know, Alan Sugar revitalised us after we nearly went bankrupt under Irving Scholar. So, you know, and like these things are cyclical. And look, I know football's in a completely different place now, but I just think, you know, like I want to be proud of being a Spurs fan. And when you hear your fellow fans singing something like that, and I mean the first song, that it could have been you, not the other stuff. I get it. Um, like it, it didn't make me feel proud at all. If I was like, I, I, you know, like that's the moment where you think, actually, is this game for me? Because I'm really not up for this shit, you know, because mm-hmm. in the end, yeah. you know, like I hate to say it. Spoiler alert. 
it is just football. Just football. What my favourite phrase of yours? Uh, passion, not poison. Yep. Yeah. Just a bit disappointing, really. But I mean, I expected the worst, and it was pretty dire in the first half. Yep. Uh, and then Harry Kane decided to play, and that, that was the difference, right, Jack? Yeah. I mean, his performance in that second half. I mean, he was unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. And it, uh, watching it, it reminded me of the performance he put in away at City last year. You know, we won 3-2 and it was just like, he was just incredible. And like everything we did in that second half against Palace went through him. And it was almost as if he said, you know what, screw the preparation, the tactics, all of that stuff. I'm just going to grab this game. I'm going to get us in front and I'm going to, you know, get us three points back. Um, without him, genuinely, that, that game would have been a nil-nil. Like the first half was just two teams that didn't create anything, didn't have any passages to play. But it was just, it was a nothing game, really. Um, and Kane just absolutely upped it in the second half. He was incredible. His quality of finishing, his range of passing. He's such a smart centre forward. Like everything he did, like every single time he had the ball in the second half, I was just sat watching it going, oh, that's brilliant. Like magnificent. Like, oh, like what can you, what can you do against a player like that when he just says, you know what, I'm winning this. Uh, and we're so fortunate to have him. And it just feels like every game that goes on, <laughs> I watch it and I just think we're more and more reliant on on him. Um, don't get me wrong, there were some players in the second half that did play better. Like I thought Doherty had a really, really good second half and it was good for him to get on the score sheet. Um, Saar, when he came on, had a nice little cameo. And there's, maybe we can talk about him in a minute because there's a lot of he's getting a lot of hype at the minute. And I think we've just got to be very careful with that. Um but look, I think any game of football that you play, if Harry Kane is up top, you've got a chance. You, you really do. And it's like, obviously, we're going into a period where we've got some really tough fixtures coming up and everybody is pretty pessimistic with two games against City, the Derby, all of that. But when Kane's in your team and he's firing, you have a chance of beating anybody. And that's just the fortunate position we're in with him. But absolutely unplayable in that second half. Yeah, that bit where... Sorry, go on, Chris. No, go on, go on. Uh, Just that bit for the second goal where he took the ball, went between two defenders, laid it off to Brian, who then passed to Sandu, then gave it to Doherty, who scored. It was just, we need two of them, don't we? We need him as a 10 and we need him as a 9. It's a real problem. What was it like from the crowd? Well, I I mean, that was the thing. It's like at half-time, we were just like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And then we were making jokes about how they were saving them for their being up the end that we were up, you know. So because you know they all four goals were right in front of us, right? And look, everyone was buzzing, but there was still a sentiment of get out, you know that that. And I, I'm sorry to go on about it, but it did make a big difference in like how the game was because it was like, look, we might be four nil up. And what the other thing we were talking about, reflecting on, I suppose, is there was something around singing that to the owners. Um, but then also singing Antonio, Antonio. So somehow, like there's a that you you're picking a side between the manager and the ownership, and I'm I I think that feels like a false dichotomy to me because I'm not sure, you know, like if you say okay we pick the manager, like what does that actually mean? Because you know, it, it's not like saying I thought the um I thought the letter. Sorry, I'm not really answering about the um mm. the game. So from the game's perspective, I think people were buzzing. Um, what was what was interesting is like, I mean, I maybe I haven't been to an away game for a while, but um, you know, obviously kind of people are in their seats, but not really because everyone's standing up. And every time there was a goal, people were like rushing down the stairs and trying to get to the bottom, 
Mm. We were about 20 rows up and they kept like the stewards kept telling them, particularly a lot of young youngsters in their teens and 20s to come back up. And I'm not sure what that was, whether there was like what, what was going on down, whether they wanted to like capture good footage or whether they just wanted to be near it. But it felt like because we were in the lower tier as well, I'm not sure what that surge was for. Mm-hmm. um so if anyone's got any ideas of that i'd love to know the answer um but look people were put you know like people stayed behind gave the team a good clap um but yeah i'm, I'm interested the other thing ah this is my observation um we talk a lot about whether we can change football culture because you know like there's a reignition of some home- homophobic chart whatever and the thing I noticed was when people were singing Brian, Brian Hill, Brian, Hill, they were singing Brian Hill, not Brian Hill, not Brian Gill, but Brian Hill. Right. And so I was thinking, well, even five years ago, no one would be trying to say Brian Hill. They would be saying Brian Gill. So, you know, maybe that's a little indication of how football fans can change um, is that, you know, you kind of like respect a, an overseas player's surname so look we look good you're right about harry kane we need him at nine and ten because i think that's a a constant worry when kulisevsky is not playing is where's that little kind of spark of creativity going to come from mm-hmm. um i don't want to move us too quickly on to the weekend but when i watched that goal back against portsmouth you know he did it all himself again and he was falling over when he hit the ball he still managed to curl it into the top corner there's a massive gap, isn't there, between the centre circle and the edge of the D, where there should be a number ten, or there should be a central attacker yeah. midfielder. Like we have got a huge problem. Like even if you like the Palace squad, where they try to put, it, it's basically defensive players: Skip, Hoybo, Perisic, Doherty, Romero, Dyer, Lengley, and then attacking players are nothing in the middle. And then you have a look at our bench, and it the bench is scare me. You go Sanchez, Royal, Sessegnon, Forster, Spence, Tanganga, Saar, Davis, White. No one to come on and change the game. We had exactly the same problem against Portsmouth, where you have a look at their bench, Spurs' bench, which was Lloris, Doherty, Hoiberg, Romero, Spence, Lengley, White, Devine, Mundell. Like, that's not good enough. Now, I, it, we, we just finished watching Chelsea City and they were going on about how City, uh, Chelsea had been ravaged by injury. So have we. We're missing Benteke, Richarlison, Kudacheski, which is a massive amount. Um, and we are running on, on fumes in our attacking play, but we're desperately short of attacking players. Like you think of the quality we've had in those positions before with Ericsson, who's still playing in our league. And you've got Van der Vaart in recent memory. Like that's what we should be expecting. But there's just a gap and it's really obvious. But my worry is, is that even if we had one, he wouldn't play it. He wouldn't play him because of his formation. And no. that's the problem. And that is the major criticism of him. This <clears throat> formation is too rigid and I don't think it works. And maybe it'll work when we get fullbacks. But yet we're literally going to have to have the best fullbacks in the world in order for this to work. Players who can defend and attack. You know, even Trent Alexander-Arnold can't do that anymore. I, I, I don't know what the what the future is i feel like all the sides at the moment are all struggling with squad depth apart from city apart from city um if you look around at newcastle they, they you know they've crashed out the cup haven't they they've made some they've rotated this weekend they've gone out um that chelsea starting 11 is as poor a chelsea starting 11 from what i can ever remember like you'd have to go back to pre 
Abramovich time, I think, to see a, a weaker Chelsea side than that. Um, Liverpool have been massively struggling. Now, they've had some injuries and you look at that, you know, they've got an ageing side. Arsenal are hanging on in there because they've not had injuries. But when they get a few, inevitably, and when European football comes in, they have to rotate. Surely they're going to struggle. So I, I actually think the biggest problem with us not having squad depth is nobody does. So everybody's going to be fighting out for those players. Um, and the, the my worry is that the cost of average players in this January window is going to be even more inflated than normal. You've got to think as well. We've just had a World Cup. How many how many times do we see a, a player have five good games at a European or World Cup and someone goes mad and does 30, 40 million on them and actually they turn out to be pretty average? And I just, I hope that we don't panic Diego too much. Diego Forlan, anyone? That's the one I remember the yeah. most. Um, I just hope that we don't panic too much in the window because, yes, I completely agree with you, SD. We need reinforcements absolutely because we've got a good start in 11 when you take a couple of those players out it is considerably weaker but it's the same old question with transfers like who realistically can you go and get we're not going to go and spend huge sums of money on well-known established players they're going to try and do deals like they did for Benton Court like they did for Kulisevsky players that most of us have never heard of so I think if we do buy players in this window I don't think initially it's going to appear to be the most ambitious of sign-ins or the the sexiest of players that we're going to be bringing in because I don't think we've got the money for it really. And I I sort of I'm still looking at Conte thinking what is going to happen there. And I think we've said this haven't we over the last month or so. How can you back a manager massively in January who's out of contract in four months? You know, so we're at this really difficult position of actually what do we do? Um, so, yeah, we do need to get some players in, but it's got to be the right tough person for the right money, which, you know, I'm just I'm not sure if there's going to be that much business that we do. So, I mean, I think you, you're spot on, ASD. Like, that was the one thing I thought yesterday is like basically every th- everyone was a second string player apart from Son and Kane because mm. we don't have anyone. There just is. There literally aren't any options at all. No. Not even in the youth team by the looks of things. Right. No. So. That also concerns me because everything that Jack's just said, I completely agree with. But, you know, I'm in a WhatsApp chat that's called Transfer Talk. Um, and, you know, there's one woman in there. Oh, Hamali, she's been on here before. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where, like, her knowledge is incredible of, like, European football and the lower leagues. She's constantly sending things going, this player in League One or this player in the Championship would fulfil the homegrown race, you know, whatever, whatever. And, um, you know, and, and obviously... She gets her information from somewhere and, I, you know, like, and I'm not, I don't know whether she's right or not, but like, what what's our scouting network doing? Right. And then also what are, what's our academy system doing? I know John McDermott went off to the FA, you know, and he was a great loss for us by all accounts, um, but they're not producing anyone either. When was the last time we produced a player? And I don't think, as far as I know, because Patrick, who sits next to me, shout out to Patrick, I know I mentioned in most most pods, he watches the youth teams a lot. And he said that this is the poorest set of um, youth team players he's seen really? in like the 20 or in the 20 odd years he's been watching them. That's and I suggested John McDermott and he said he thought it was from before that, because obviously there's a, that takes takes time and that. So, you know, all of that is a concern. And it's like, but. How is that possible? Shouldn't we be doing both of those things? And Paratici was supposed to be the answer to a lot of this. What is he actually doing? If he's the director of football, he should be looking at 
what's going on with the youth system as well, not just supposedly doing deals, only in Italy, it looks like, as well. And look, don't get me wrong, Kulisevsky and Bentancourt, you know, they they were great. But, like, you can't... That's, like, your whole job? Mm -hmm. That can't be your whole job. No. No. And obviously he's in the in the mess with uh, in Italy yes. at the moment, so he might be distracted. And this comes in the week where Ten Hag now has taken over the youth team at Man United as well to make sure that there are players coming through. He, he's literally choosing the first eleven that is playing there to make sure that they're going through. I know the was it the under twenty ones beat Liverpool two 0 this weekend, but I, I I mean I'm looking at the like the Portsmouth team. The Portsmouth team was poor. I thought you have a look at Tanganga, who as much as we love him, we do love him on the pod. He's He's plateaued. Sanchez is okay, but he he's not top four material. Davis is getting old. Royal it's only 23, 22-23. Not good enough. Saar, lots of positives this week from Saar. Skip coming back from injury still maybe, and you know it doesn't get as much chance because of Bentico and Hoiberg. So give him a chance. Cessignon, how long are we going to wait before he gets good? And then Hill, brilliant I think from Hill. Like I thought yesterday he was absolutely fantastic. Jack's pulling your face. We'll come back to that. Son, we know Son is in, in a poor vein of form at the moment. Kane is best player in the world. Um, and then the bench is poor. We, we need seven or eight players. And you got like you talk about the Chelsea depth. Chelsea have spent over a quarter of a billion pounds since the summer. They spent 80 million euros on Fafana. They bought Cucurella, who was a dreadful player, it turns out, who's for 65. Sterling for 56. They're not doing anything. They just bought this Badishili and Koulibaly, Chukawemeka, Andre Santos. Pierre Aubameyang isn't even on the bench. And that's why just spending money isn't good, isn't enough, right? No, but we've got, like, by all the reports, no one knows what's going on, but the reports are we want that Porro from... Um, not Benfica. We want sporting. Sporting, that's right. And we're willing to offer thirty-five or forty, whatever it is. And the, the the release clause is forty-five. Pay the release clause. Chelsea are doing their business now. United always do their business now. Get yeah. a player in if we want him. You know that this isn't this isn't uh, this is how we're in the place where we're, where we're at, where we don't have the first best players. We've got the second best players. While we've got Longley rather than the players that we wanted to go for, because we're not willing we're not willing to go get the one that we want, and we're getting the ones that we don't, and it's a massive problem. Uh, Hill, Jack. I thought he was really good. Just very energetic. He does something that no one else does. I just, I like. I don't. Look, I don't think he's 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 great. He he's he did all right in the second half against Palace. I didn't. I didn't catch ball. You don't think he's Modric in disguise, Jack? I'm just (laughs) like. I just think everyone needs to calm down about him and about Saar. And it's like, you know, um, good cameo from Saar against Palace, but. You're coming on at four 0 up. Do you know what I mean? In a game where it's done, it's what like. What to do? Like, but I thought I, what he did. I thought what he did. What he did was fine. But it's different coming on at four 0 with twenty minutes to go in the game, like, than it is coming on when actually you know the game is still fifty fifty. You're not quite sure what's going to happen. You know your opposition are still up for the fight. Like Palace were done. Like when the fourth goal went in, it was game over. Um. So what he did, he did well. But I'm just like, I can't get too excited about a player that's had a good 20 minutes against Palace and by all accounts played very well against Portsmouth. Great start, but everyone just relax a little bit about it. I feel differently about 
uh, Brian Hill that I do about um, Pape's star. I think mm. Pape's star, I, I do think he's going to be a star. I don't think he's there yet. And I think he's, again, he's young. You want to make sure that he acclimatises the Premier League. You know, I, I'm hoping he's going to be more, um, I don't know, more Dembele than Zakora, right? Um, but Brian Hill, I mean, I like, I almost think it doesn't matter. I think he's going to be like that. I think he's going to be decent. Like, like you say, he'll make some good cameos. He'll kind of both look like he's about to steal the ball and make a brilliant run and then just fall over and lose it, which is basically what he does. But I think that he's it's cult hero status and I think it's done already. I think even just that moustache with the hairdo um, was like enough to kind of put him in. There's something about him that we're all going to love and that his name's going to get sung before, you know, I don't even know if we've heard Gimme, Gimme, Gimme at a home game yet but we heard Brian Hill at the weekend because um I think he's just got it like there's just something about like his weediness or whatever it is that's just like taken him to all of our hearts and I think that's fun whether he's going to be a real player for us or not I mean I don't know but like you know nor was Stefan Freund yeah nor was Do you know what I mean? like we Lenin. still loved him yeah, but that's the, yeah. that's the thing. He's a player to love, and I think the the reason that the the fans rush to the front of the the stands is we want to feel a connection with the team that is slowly yeah. being taken away from us. It's becoming more corporate. Maybe it's and, that. Maybe it's that. You know, and I think we feel a bit of a connection with somebody who tries something who isn't just he he take risks. Uh, the pass he played for Kane's uh, goal yesterday was 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 fantastic and wouldn't have come from. Someone else. It would have come from Kudasevsky. But I think, you know, people getting excited about Adama Traore. This, he's, he's got more delivery than Adama Traore. And that, that excites me. Um, I'm not down with, can I just, you know, like not to put a downer again. I'm not down with the level of booing that Emerson Royale got against Villa. I know I missed, I know I missed that, um, that pod, but no, you don't. Like he's going to come on to in a game where we need to do something. And it's like, because it's not just about him. It's like, what does that say to the rest of the team? They can hear it. Mm. And again, I know bang on about it, but like this, this humanity there and the psychology of it, of um, elite athletes, you know, like you work really hard on that. And mm. I'm not saying it kind of immediately affects them, but it can't be good. No, 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 no. Uh, Romero, if I'm Romero, I'm speaking to my agent being going like, tap Real Madrid up. They need a new Ramos. Like, what? Why would he be here? He's just won the league, won the um, World Cup. You know, we're not going anywhere at the moment. What? That's the worry. Him, Sun, Kane must be looking, going like, what? What are we doing here, really? Unless something big happens in January, what are we doing here? Romero that's... needs to have a run of games though, ASD. Like, I know he has just come off the back of winning the World Cup, but he hasn't had a run since we've signed him. He hasn't played like twenty straight games. Like he's always in and out the side. He's always got a little injury. So what we have seen of him in a Spurs shirt definitely been encouraging. And he's had some really, really good games. But you, especially centre-back, like we just need a bit of consistency there for a while. And we, we need yeah. him, we, we really need him to play every game from between now and the end of the season. And if we do that, if we can get him fit, Bentoncourt and Kulusevski all in that side, those three, plus obviously Kane, Son and Lloris, we, we just we need that spine because we don't have that. It just feels like at the minute every game we play, it's, there's four or five changes being made, um, mm. which obviously you're going to rotate your wing backs. And there's, there's always going to be the odd change because there's lots of games, but you want your spine to be consistent. So I'm not too worried about Romero going just because I, I just don't I, don't. I don't think he's played enough for us yet um, to warrant that top move anyway. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair that's he has fair. just won the World Cup. He's just won the World Cup. He can do what he wants. Lloris won the World Cup. Just saying. Elite player. <laughs> we do need new goal we need so many new players there's loads of stuff linking us with Jordan Pickford in the papers today which I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that to be honest yeah. no I could do, we could do without that really couldn't we and that is the problem we've got we keep on replacing great players with okay players you know Mane with Nunes for example you know it's it's uh, yeah. ever so slightly I, downgrading and there's a I big like, difference I, I like Jordan Pickford and he's brilliant for England but is he a better goalkeeper than Lloris? No. Or Gazaniga? Like, no. Like, like he's not. Like he's a good goalkeeper, Pickford. Um, but the Lloris we've got at the moment is better than the Pick than, than what Pickford is. So it's what you say. You actually downgrade in the position, and it's like we do need to get a new goalkeeper because his performance. We've been, we've been saying this, haven't we, for probably a year that his performances have been declining. But um, that position is so important. You know, like you've seen, how many teams have there been over the years that haven't got that right? And for sort of four or five seasons, you're scrapping around trying to find a goalkeeper. So yeah. to have a, a player that, you know, could end up being more of a liability in that position, like that, that is an absolute huge signing that we've got. We've got to get that one right. I, um... I think I think you're absolutely right, though, in the sense that, and I think you've hit the nail on the head with the problem, which is that we're not replacing players with anyone that's even on a par let alone better and you can start you can look at that with starting with Kyle Walker yes um and like you know tell me who's better than Jan Vertonghen or at least on a par now you might you might you could argue Romero but he's a different kind of player and actually you know you're going to lose him for however many games a season because the amount of times he's going to get booked and sent off etc etc so you know I think that's right. You know, I think that's bang on. I just looked up uh, Stipe Platikosa, who's retired now, and we can't go and get him. <laughs> <laughs> Scored four goals for a Hedrick split. Didn't realise that when he was playing goalkeeper, but fair play. Platikosa. Um, what was that? He scored four goals, did you just Four say? goals for Hedrick split as a goalkeeper. I, I don't right. Know. Right. Up. So I'm ad I'm adamant, right, that when I went to it, I think it was it was either Stoke away or Birmingham away. I'm adamant that he was on the bench as an outfield player because I remember standing in the away end and watching him warming up, and he was in an outfit. He was an outfield player's kits, and we had another goalie on the bench. And I've never been able to find a record of it anywhere. That, like I've, I've searched and searched and searched. So you saying that? makes me think that I'm not crazy I didn't dream that moment because he must have gone out on pitch surely if he scored four goals surely it's too much for coincidence isn't it David James did that didn't he when he went up top yeah yeah, and they actually had a striker on the bench they put David James up top instead of him he um when I was at university he was dating someone at Exeter University and used to turn up on a quad bike (laughs) Such a weird place. He is such a unusual character. Have you listened to him on the Peter Crouch podcast? Yeah. It's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant episode. Really, really strange fellow. But did, did he have a load of money troubles not that long ago? Yeah. And he had to do, you could buy like, I remember seeing some stuff online that like on eBay, you could buy David James's clothes, but not like match worn shirts, just like a polo that he's got or a jumper. And it was like, they're just David James's clothes and you could buy them. Really, really strange. 
there was a good story on the magic sponge about him as well when he went away with England and they were all like in Spain. I think they were on a training. I can't remember the exact story. The magic sponge is well worth a listen, even though it's quite old. And then um, they all went off to play golf and he just went off to draw some chimneys that he liked. He, he was into drawing. I really, I really like that, you know. But um, interesting fella. Goal is a crazy. Goal is crazy. Been a good weekend for the FA Cup. I think some great games on there. Wrexham, I'm not sure you watched the Wrexham game, obviously. Cracking game. Um, Cardiff almost almost made it through against Leeds. Massive one for Villa. Wow. Yeah. Getting knocked out by Stevenage, my local team. But Martinez conceding a penalty after all of his stuff in the... Uh, oh, well, that's, that's quite fun. I didn't realise that had happened. That's good. Yeah, like 85th minute and then they scored and Stevenage scored in the 90th minute, which is like... Um, just a great weekend of sport in it. Um, but that's exactly. But that is exactly why you can't. You know, I saw actually on some WhatsApp groups all this like, I can't believe we lost to Villa. It's like, well, so what you're going to say is that all those French international players in a World Cup final are not as good as Stevenage players as a Stevenage player that scored that goal. Yeah. Is that what you're going to tell me? So, yeah, you know what I mean? Ridiculous that stuff in it. I, yeah. That's why we love football, right? Because of the it's. It's just because you can't, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. So I always remember as a kid, like watch, watching football with my dad and my dad saying, oh, we could have had, we should be, we could, we could be three nil up. And I always remember thinking, but that's not really the case, dad, because if you'd scored that first goal, it would have had to go back to the centre spot and the game would have played out in a different way. So like that really weird kid, and I understand what he means now, obviously, about the number of chances they've created and stuff. But your little kid logic goes, but it would have been different and it would have been a different game. Right. And that's exactly the point. It's like, it, you know, there's a million different ways it can play out. That's why XG will never be that interesting to me, because that it's, it, it's trying to predict it's almost like trying to protect human nature you just can't do it which is why rugby is is difficult to get really into because with rugby the better team wins 99 percent of the time but with football you never know what's going to happen is asd not like xg jack have you heard that before there's a lot of things he doesn't there's a lot of things he doesn't like chris (laughs) right so on our WhatsApp group, on our uh, signal groups, I don't know WhatsApp. I uh, text, I asked Jack if he'd write some uh, play bench arrays yesterday. And the first thing he comes back with is uh, Jack Chris Giles. Now, we've been having a bit, I've been having a bit of jip about this because uh, I said, I just did it based on podcast appearances over the last two months. Yeah, yeah. So I, I said, play Jack, bench Chris. They benched me. He benched me. I cannot believe, I still can't believe he benched me. The quickest you've ever replied to a message as well. <laughs> John still hasn't replied. He's in Australia. Um, so that was, a, just, I'm just going to call it out, subtle dig. But someone's got to make decisions, you know. I'll... Well, I, I I agreed with what you said 100%, Asti. I thought you spoke I complete sense in the message. I suppose there are hard decisions to make yeah. about who's on the bench, you know. Uh, it's a big weekend for us, Nick. We haven't got any any game midweek, and then we have we. I don't think we have. And then we've got um, Arsenal. We're the last game of the weekend. I am not looking so, forward to it. Small no. matter of a North London derby. Yeah. Um, it. I You can get to them, and all form goes out the window with them. However, the way they're playing as a team, and the way how easy we are to predict. And play against i'm really 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 worried about it and they don't win at our place that often and i hate it when they do 
because it's not just you know what they're going to sound like it's the whole week after we all work with Arsenal fans it's just dreadful we haven't talked much about them we're not obsessed with them but it's going to be it has the potential to be quite painful it does but what I would say is the form Harry Kane's in Benton Korn Kulusevski hopefully both back in and, and ready to go for that game we've We've seen so many derbies over the years where we've been a considerably worse team and they've been considerably better. And at home, we've managed to still get results against them. Um, so you have to go into the derbies with a positive mindset. We can beat them. Of course we can. You know, like uh, uh, as we've been saying for so long, our front three is fantastic. We just we need to be firing on all cylinders and we need to to a man. Every single one of those players needs to be at least seven, eight out of ten. That, like we've just got to be on our top form and if we are I think we've got every chance of beating them what a, what a brilliant opportunity it would be for us to make a proper dent in their ambitions for the season do you know what I mean people sort of saying oh you know they've not had huge sort of tests and all of that so far I mean I, I disagree with that because they've, they've had some cracking wins but like for them if they come to our place and we beat them and beat them convincingly like everybody then would be all over them being like, oh, you know what? This is the classic Arsenal team of late, you know, when it re- when it's crunch time, they can't do it or all of that stuff. So I think that as motivation, a derby at home, do you know what I mean? We haven't been playing our best football. Like you say, form goes out the window. Let's look, sort of draw a line under the last few months and, and try and really kick on because there's a lot of games coming up. If we can, you know, hit a bit of form for the next month or so, you can elevate yourself right up the league. So it's a really, really big part of our season. Um, and the big games come thick and fast because then it's City, isn't it, next week? And then we've got City again in about 10 days after that. So, yeah. you know, we've got we've got to be ready to go. It's going to be a tough, tough game. They're playing as good a football as they probably have in the last five or six years. So we've got to be on it. Um, but like I said, Harry Kane could beat anybody. I think Romero is going to be really important in that game because they don't, they don't like it up, but they don't. And this is a this is quite a young, fragile team, and I think we have to be aggressive. We have to hunt them down, and we can do it. And there is emotion in this game. And Kane, um, Kane can get the record now, can't he, uh, for most goals for Tottenham? We'll come on to that shortly. I've, I've done some homework. But what an important game this is for us. For so many, there's so much context. This is why football's good. There's so much context, context and nuance to this game, because it's not the end of the world if we lose. But it's it's the beginning of something if we win, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think my heart is with everything that Jack said, form being out of the window, you know, Harry Kane. It's like, you know, and we're all dreaming of him making history in that game, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because of his goal records and all the rest of it. But my head is just with something that ASD said right at the start, which is we're really predictable. Because you just know how Conte is going to play. Now, maybe Conte knows that as well and he'll do something different. But I also know that he's, I imagine he's a very stubborn man. He knows what he wants. He's like, this is just the one game like any other. We're just going to go, you know. So, you know, I like. I want to feel cynical about, about excuse me, about it and come away like delighted. Um, but there's a, you know, it's there's loads of, there's a big um, meet up for the uh, supporters, the official supporters clubs before the game. Um, so like, you know, two hours before, like before the stadium even opens. Um, and there are, got a message from um, a guy from Austin Spurs uh, to the Proud Lily Whites, 
like a number of weeks ago because there are hang on let me tell you because it's like there's loads of them oh yeah uh he messaged to say that they're coming Austin Spurs 30 to 40 members of Austin Spurs are heading to London for the North London Derby in January there are also members of other American official supporters club um heading over with them and then when he messaged this which was in November it was members from Hoboken Spurs in New Jersey for those who don't know where Hoboken is it's where Frank Sinatra was born Milwaukee Spurs New York Spurs, Philadelphia Spurs, Queen Spurs, San Antonio Spurs and Tucson Spurs. And that's all they knew in November. So who knows who else is coming? And then it's all the um, from all over the world, you know, because obviously the North London Derby is like the game that, you know, everyone wants tickets to, etc. So there's going to be a load of fun and a load of anticipation beforehand. And I just I just hope upon hope upon hope that the team, you know, like they feel it as much as we do or someone does. You know, and also, people, you know, is Sonny still going to be wearing his mask? Is he going to score an absolute belter from the corner and whip it off and Thanks. throw it in like Kane did how many years ago? I don't mind which one of them it is, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I don't mind if it goes in off, off Doherty's shin um, as long as it goes in the net. I, I mean, I just, I just hope they have a good time, whatever the result, like just, just enjoy the whole day. But... I, my head and my heart are fighting right now. There's so yeah, many things, exactly. you know. Um, I, it just got me thinking about that 5-1 against Arsenal because that was similar. We weren't as good as they were at that point and we can, we could do that. Oh, That was a cup game though, wasn't it? It was a cup game. Um, I remember in that game, it was 80-something minutes and we were 4-1 up yeah. and I still wasn't celebrating. I was like, they can still do it, they can still mm. do it. And then finally the fifth one went in. I was like, oh, that's all right. I think we're going to win yeah, it now. I'll start, I'll start giving it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the scorers? Jermaine Genus after about three minutes. That was a great goal. It had five people around him, didn't he? Was... Um, Nicholas Bentner own goal. Wrong. Yeah. Was that the, was that the third no, goal? No, that, I'm pretty sure that was number two. Then there was the dance. The fellow who did the dance. Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane scored. Just Lennon. after half time. Did Aaron, Lennon yeah, score? Aaron Lennon and then Steve Malbronk. For them? Adebayo. Oh, yeah. Genus also scored in the away leg. Was that 1 1? 1 1. Theo Walcott scored with about 10 minutes to go. The luckiest, like, deflected yeah. goal. It was like a tackle and it bounced off him and went in for about 10 minutes to go, I think it was. I, I very much still admire playing. that, Jack, that you remember those things. Yeah. That was that was when I, you know, the, the, my mood was completely determined by how did Spurs do. It's not far off still, but for me, I forgot Walcott even exists. Um, he used to have a, he used to have a, a, I think anyway, maybe I just remember him scoring a few goals, but he always used to make me nervous in the derbies. Even though he's not a great player, he always seemed to play quite well against us. Mm. I remember him being stretched off once at the Emirates. And doing that 2-0. Yeah. 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 That was right in front of us as well. He had a lot of money thrown at him, didn't he? We had a lot of choice words for him that day. <laughs> uh, can I talk about Harold Kane? Because um, he is not far away from being our top goal scorer. And so I've been through and had a look at the other top scorers for teams in England. Um, and he's what, doing of all pretty time? Well. Of all time, yeah. Okay. Uh, so... Manchester City, Aguero, 260 goals. So Kane's ahead of him. Uh, 
Aguero's got a very slightly better goals to game ratio as well. But there's some great, crazy Wickham Wanderers. Um, Tony Horseman in the 70s scored 558 goals from in 739 games. <laughs> Um, but it's a great 739 stats. games though as well Jesus right. um, a lot of these stats are from like the 1900s so Yeovil had someone I didn't even know Yeovil had a, a football club why weren't they farming but Yeovil in the early 1900s <laughs> um, 548 goals in 288 matches <laughs> say that again that's like two, two goals a game it's 1.9 goals a game <laughs> Celtic Jimmy Mc- Rory, 522 in 378 uh, in 15 years playing from Barnet, Arthur Morris. But then you get into Everton, Dixie Dean. Liverpool, uh, do you know who Liverpool's is? Not Ian Rush or Kenny Dalglish by the look on your face. Ian Rush with 346 goals in 660 games. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, he was a player, Ian Rush. Got to give him that. But in all seriousness, like you, you have a look at Man United, Rooney, 253. He's behind Kane. Arsenal, Henri, 228 miles behind Kane. Chelsea, Pat Frank, 211. Then I tried looking at the old big ones. Villa, Tom Waring from the 1900s, 158. Leeds, Peter Lorimer. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I know we talk about Kane, but like Henri is sort of lauded as a better player than Harry Kane, right? He's seen as the best uh, Premier League player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how is that even possible? That it is interesting. The Athletic did a whole piece on this before Christmas about like why don't people like Harry Kane as much as because you know like even from an England captain perspective, like Wayne Rooney and David Beckham, who you know have their sort of faults in other areas, were sort of more universally liked than Harry Kane. And like, there's nothing particularly unlikable about him. And that might be it. Is that just because he's kind of I don't know why people don't like him. I think in terms of why he's maybe not lauded up there with Henri is the fear factor. Like when 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 teams play Spurs and Kane, are they terrified? Like I used to remember going to the derbies and thinking Henri is against us today and just thinking there's nothing we can do. Like you will not be able to stop him. And I don't mm. know if he necessarily has the same fear factor. And is that because... Kane has played in a Spurs team that isn't as good as those other elite forwards. They've always been in the top, top sides. If you put Kane in at City, would he have more of a fear factor? He probably would. I don't know if that's got something to do with it, but I don't know if people fear Kane the way that I used to fear Henri in every single derby that we go into. Yeah, but that's even more interesting, though, because like you're right that Kane isn't in potentially in as good as a Spurs team as that those Arsenal teams who were like breaking records as teams. Um, but that's even more of an achievement to score that many goals. Yeah, absolutely. When you're creating them yourself, you're number nine and number ten, as yeah. we've just been as to how we started, you know. I saw some stuff on Twitter the other day talking about Kane and it was like, isn't he like two or three goals behind Rooney in the Premier League? list and he's played 190 games fewer which is absurd and someone replied to him was like it's even more impressive knowing that um for three or four seasons Kane's service was coming from NASA Chadley and it's like you know it's like when you think about stuff like that that they would you know he had Chadley and Townsend do you know what I mean on on the wings supplying stuff for him you know um but yeah I just I don't know if I don't know if it's a fear factor there's just something about Omri I don't know what it is that you were just like you cannot stop him I think they all of the players that we think of, Henri, I always think about Drogba, Torres, and when he played for Liverpool, Aguero, they all had an an asset 
like one of their stats was at the extreme. Kane is nine out of ten in everything. Whereas Henri is pace with the ball. Drogba is strength. Aguero is just accuracy. Being the, like he's, a, he's an absolute goal machine. Who's the other one I mentioned? Torres speed. You know, with Kane is just a bit of an all rounder. You know, he doesn't stand out. He just he just performs. He's just yeah. And he's he's not marketable, is he? Like he doesn't speak particularly well. He speaks well, but he's not like Quan McGregor. You know, he's not. He's not. Like, he's not a Galactico, is it? Do you know what I mean? He's not that. He's not that person. Which I no. think that's why us that do love him, we love him even more because yeah. he does. He is just a normal guy. Um, but I think yeah, what you said there, Esty, is not. He's not marketable. But it maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's why Spurs fans don't necessarily love him. 100 percent as much as they won did player of the season because he's not he doesn't have a flaw like you have a look at van der vaart who was a goal hanger with no pace who had other like personal problems we know that but the, yeah whatever like yeah he had a flaw lennon had a flaw all the players we loved had the flaw did we love modric no because he was perfectly rounded bale probably his awful first touch and right foot like they, they, yeah. They're not players that go into the Spurs psyche. We'd have a flawed genius. Is the is the failed move to City potentially reason? Because I love Kane, but I still that that's there for me still that he did. I can't blame him for wanting to go, but the fact that he did, it's you know, I don't know. But you can't blame him for wanting to go. I can't blame him for wanting to go. If that he was still me, still loved Berbatov and he went. Yeah. And if that was me, I'd have, I'd have gone a few years ago, to be Modric honest. Modric went on Abramovich's right. boat, you know? Yeah. Um, one last thing before we get to play Venture Race. Uh, some horrendous things coming out about Qatar Sports Investments looking to take a, a stake in us. Um, I hate this. Yeah. I, it's not what I want. It, these are some archaic uh, fundamentalist beliefs which are just wrong. Now, there is a difference between, you know, you have a look at Ronaldo and where he's moved to South Africa, according to him in his first press conference. But, you know, the, the Saudis have got laws. That's what on, he said. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Saudis have got laws on cohabiting. Like, you're not allowed to cohabit or live with your partner unless you're married, but they, they don't prosecute. So that people are actually are, quite progressive for a lot of stuff. That's what they're saying. However, however, they're still there. You know, that those beliefs are still there. I'm really worried. And it... What Chris said at the start of the show, the only people that buy football clubs are. Yeah. Well, that's you know. it. And I, and I think the other thing is you do only have to look at the World Cup to see a lot of the stuff that Qatar did was because I think it's from a, in terms of wanting to impress the rest of the region, saying, look, we've banned alcohol. Yeah. Look, we're clamping down on this. And, you know, it's, and look, it's really hard because, you know, global capitalism and all that, who owns all the buildings in London? Who owns half the things? And I get all of that. But, you know, we constantly talk about football clubs being community assets. And if they are community assets, even though, you know, they are owned by these, whoever these corporations are, we have to be able to have some kind of a say in it and think about what that means for all of our values. And look, and someone said something on Twitter and I was like, hard no. And I've had like so much interaction from people talking to me about Argentina, which is terrible. And don't get me wrong, it's like, you know, what Joe, what they've, you know, what they do what they've done in Argentina. Like I read that article, um, I think you shared it ASD, and it's like that's not great, but like that doesn't mean it's then okay to go, well then okay, we're open for anything. You know? I'm not into the water battery because it doesn't serve any purposes. 
I think what makes me the most nervous with the ownership stuff at the minute is I've never felt more detached from the club ever. And this feels like it would be a bit of a nail in the coffin. And a bit of like, Christ, if that's the direction that it's now gone in, like, where am I going to, like, footballing-wise, like, I'm going to care even less and less and less and less. Like, you're not the people, with all due respect, that they want connection with. Like, they, no, not at all. They do not yeah. want you having a season ticket where you get cheaper tickets. They want people from Austin Spurs who are going to come over, fill their bags at the at the club shop, and then leave their seats to someone else can pay the premium. And that that's what connection means to the club now, which is really sad. But it it it, it it's a bit like when we're watching City and those double height um uh double height advertising boards. It's just everything is about selling now. Everything is about selling space to us, just trying to suck money out of us at all times. It, there's no space for humanity or for feeling anymore. We it it's the thing that we created for the club is slowly being monetized. well not slowly it's being monetized but it, they don't understand that they're trying to monetize it, but the will go away the more they monetize it. There needs to be balance, I think. And people, yeah, because you know, the, the thing, the thing that makes it amazing is the atmosphere that you feel when you're in the stadium, or that you can even intuit when you're watching on TV because of that connection, right? And yeah. if you sever that connection, there's a couple of things that will happen. One is it won't be as exciting, and you'll come once and never come back. And two is the minute you're not successful anymore, all of those people fall away. And then, and then what? And then you don't fill a 60,000 seat a stadium. Whereas if somehow, like you say, you find that balance, because look, you've also got to understand what a multi-billion pound business it is. But, you know, you really sever that connection. Then, you know, and, and then what do you end up with? Because you haven't got anyone on, you know, like there's no, you, you're not winning games. And then the people that you had the connection with are gone as well. That's it. You know, my all-time hero is Joe Strum of The Clash, favourite band. I love Joe Strum. And he said, look, I'd like to say that people, people can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. And it's the people that make the country. You could swap that club for club. Show me any club and there'll be people in it. And it's the people that make the club. People have got to stop pretending they're not on the world. It's time to take that humanity back into the centre of the ring and follow that for a time. Think on that. Without people, you're nothing. And it's true. Uh, and people are saying, I agree you know, with that, but, 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 but it's very individualistic. And I think the thing is, is that like, you know, with like late stage global capitalism, the structures are so, I, I mean, I'm not going to bore you. I read a whole article about McKinsey earlier and it was really interesting, like, mm. uh, you know, how basically it's kind of global capitalism that's kind of created all of these structures that mean, Anyway, as I say, I'm not going to go into it, but so I like the idea of, you know, and there's that Margaret Mead quote about, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to find it now, which is one of my favourite quotes. Where is it? Yeah, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Right. And that's one Mm -hmm. of my favourite quotes. You have to believe that. Otherwise, like, what are we doing? However... Is you've got to know that it's, you have to unpick the structures as well as trying to kind of make those individual changes. Sure. So, yeah, manifesto for change. And now five minutes of a, of a game where you're going to bench me again, I assume. <laughs> no, 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 no. So th- this game was, um, it started off because Christmas holidays are long when you've got a three and five year old. So uh, we play a lot of games, word games. I was playing um, 
was trying to think of how do you do shag marry kill but with kids and so i did we did for food we did eat <laughs> stick in the fridge never eat again and i was thinking why don't we do that with spurs players and so um we had play eat, stick in the fridge never eat again okay yeah yeah it was great because with the with the five-year-olds you just go like sundays brownies haribo and it just breaks our little brain yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, what this is, Chris, is play bench arrays. So you've got a generic, you've got North London Derby on Sunday. Uh, Jack's got loads, I've got some. What will happen is we'll give you three players. You can play one now, put one on the bench, but then you erase one from Spurs history, all their contribution. You know, that's the hardest bit of it, but you play one. But, and so in the second oh but then you won't they won't come up again that's fine i don't mind erasing them i've gone i've gone outside of spurs well i've just gone football because my brain couldn't my brain couldn't narrow it down to just uh to just spurs so maybe if you've got some spurs specific ones out there we could always start with those okay yeah um so start with you chris we'll do we'll do we'll we'll do like we did with uh maldini or uh, romero um i'll road on miss the oh, Joey Rodon. Uh, so I'm going to start with Van der Vaart, Eriksson or Ginola. Remember, we have to oh. play one, bench one, and then erase one from Spurs history. Oh, God. Um, I would play Ginola, bench Eriksson and erase Van der Vaart. Oh, this is this is a horrible, horrible one. It, but because... wait a minute, is that because he pushed his wife around because she cheated yes. on him? Yeah, and I can't see past it. I'm sorry. And I love the fact that you said because she cheated on him, like that's a justification. No, it's we well, we've been here. We've, <laughs> I'm not sorry that we've been here. <laughs> just I know this is a pod, so you can't see Jack's face as an absolute Brilliant. picture. <laughs> I'd just be like, if if I was to ask Chris, Jack, ASD, and Giles, we all know he's getting erased at the moment, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> Um, on, I'm really stuck on this one. Um, Van der Vaart was one of my favourite favourite favorite players. Ginola was the first player that I was like, oh my god, like what a player. And Ericsson is probably the best player out the three, so it's the, it's, it's that's horrible. Um, I'm gonna start Van der Vaart, bench Ericsson, and sell. Oh, sorry, erase Ginola. I can't believe I just said that. Right then, Jack. Pavlichenko, Chadley or Crenshaw? Oh, my word. Pavlichenko, Chadley's... Start Pavlichenko, bench Crenshaw, erase Chadley. Not a, not a great selection of players there, is it? I'd play Chadley, bench Pav, and erase Cranchard just to annoy ASD. I do love Cranchard. It's a good looking boy. Um, uh, Chris, Janus, Palacios, Sakura. Oh, uh, play Janus, bench Wilson, erase Sakura. And I liked Sakura, um, but I think that um, Palacios. If that hadn't happened to his brother, I think we would have seen a completely different player. So I think he deserves to stay in our in our pantheon. I'd pro- I'd probably start Palacios, bench Janus, 
erase Sakura. I mean, Palacios and Genius were considerably better footballers than Sakura, considerably. But no. did they have as good songs? <laughs> do, do, do. do, do. <laughs> uh, who is it? Oh, Chris, what I've tried to do here is erase, because when you erase them, you erase the stuff that they did. So you were, we've erased the chant, unfortunately. But that's it. And so are you going to play bench or erase Danny Rose, Lucas Moura or Eunice Kabul, considering you got that goal against the Arsenal? Why? So you're going to erase Danny Rose's debut goal. You're going to erase no. that. I'm going to erase, I'll erase Amsterdam. I'll erase oh. Moura because even if he wasn't playing, um, someone else would have done it because that night was written in the stars for us. So if it wasn't him, it would have been someone else. So I'm playing Danny Rose. I'm benching Kabul and I'm erasing Lucas. Um, Do you know what? If he wasn't in London doing whatever he was, he'd be protesting against them. He'd be up with You've seen what's going on in Brazil at the moment. Yeah. Like literally this evening. And that's where he'd be. So better that he's not. The other good Kabul moment was the last minute goal on the 125th anniversary game against Villa when we were. 4-1 yeah. down, and he that's scored. The, that's the one I've got pictured in my head with that really yeah. slick haircut. Yeah. Yeah, and he ripped his in shirt that, off and in jumped. In that yeah. shirt one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, jumped on Martin Yard. It was brilliant. Um, uh, the Amsterdam night was too good for me to erase. Um, but Danny Rose starting off. Danny Rose is one of, one of my favourite players from watching Spurs. So Rose starts, Moore is benched, Cabal's erased. I thought Cabal was going to be a really, really good player, by the way. When, when we got him and he was young, it was like he looked like he had all the attributes, but bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It's just he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't kick the ball properly. Like I know that sounds stupid, but if you if you watch how he passed the ball, it's not right. Okay, uh, Jack, you've got Ng and Kudu and Soldado. <laughs> um, I I probably have to start Soldado because he did he some score a penalty, did they? Nkudu or Nji, I mean, they both have, from what I can remember off the top of my head, one assist. Nkudu one to Winks. Winks against Fulham. And Nji to Lamella in a 4-1 crashing of City when City first got Pep. It's got to be Nkudu then, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'd probably bench Nkudu and erase Nji. I'm not erasing much there. I mean, I think I, just, I mean, I haven't really got anything to okay, add to that one. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's really That's the first, Chris. <laughs> well, we did, we did all the good ones last time. That was that's the problem. So I've got the last. I one. enjoy these ones more, to be honest. When it's just yeah, absolute yeah. dross, yeah, <laughs> they were a lot easier to find. Uh, I'm doing Winks, Delhi, Skip, but as they as they're playing now, but we're, all, we're obviously going to choose Delhi first. What this still breaks my heart, the Delhi thing. Yeah, but like it seems to be since that armed robbery where he got punched in the face at knife point, bless him, poor man. Let's not do that one, Jack. Shall I do mine? Yeah. Um. So I've just gone football in general, so it's not just Spurs. Um. ASD, let's start with you. Uh, Biscuits, Iniesta, or Xavi? Xavi and Iniesta Busquets. That one's easy. 
Because yeah, you have to, in your life, make the decision between Xavi and Iniesta. It's like Ronaldo, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta. Um, I saw a brilliant quote on it that Iniesta controlled the ball, Xavi controlled the team. So Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets was too much of a, he just cheated too much for me. I mean, I would have done the same thing, but because ASD kind of pronounced that just then, it makes me want to go Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets. <laughs> I'd rather watch Iniesta highlights on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Right, Chris, the, the age-old debate. Lampard, Gerard, Skulls. Uh, play Skulls. Uh, bench Gerard, erase Lampard. I'm, ben- I'm playing Skulls, benching Lampard. And I just, yeah, I just think he was more effective, wasn't he? And Gerard wanted to leave, but he didn't. That's a tough one, that, isn't it? That's what one. would you choose for that one? Uh, play Skulls, Bench, Lampard, Erase, Gerard. In the twisted logic, Gerard was a better all-round player than Lampard. But Lampard, geez, just knew how to put the ball in the net. I would say is Lampard could not have done what Gerard did at Liverpool. And I don't know if there are any players that could have done what he did there. But... Skulls is probably the best central midfielder I've ever seen. And Lampard's got Lamp, it's just, it was 20, 25 goals every single season. Just guaranteed in all competitions. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, Chris, um, my favourite. Well, me, Max, isn't it? Oh, sorry. It ASD, my favourite um, my favorite position on football pitch, goalkeepers. Um, Czech, Schmeichel, or Courtois? Uh, can you cl- can I clarify which Michael? Obviously, it's Peter. Um, because Courtois is a bit like Kane, just goes under the radar a little bit, but it's just excellent. You have to go Schmeichel. Um, you have to play Schmeichel and check or I'm going check because he just went for so long and did it for a couple of clubs, and then he raised Courtois, but it the thinnest of margins, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I agree with that. As much as it pains me to say it. And then uh, Drogba, Shearer, or Rooney. Oh, Chris. Uh, play Rooney. Oh, I don't know. I actually don't know. I say play Rooney, and then I mean I think Drogba was a great player, but like you can't keep Alan Shearer out for the goals. Uh. But I mean, I kind of like the kind of the magic of Rooney because I think like he was a better all-round player than both of them. Cause the other two are just a goal scorers, whereas Rooney had a had more to his game. Oh my God, I don't know. Play Rooney. Bench. Oh no, I don't know. Play Rooney. Bench, I'm gonna just gonna go with my gut. Bench, Drogba, and erase Shearer, and that way, and that way, if we're erasing oh. Shearer, that way, Harry's gonna to get to the greatest <laughs> Premier League goal scorer quicker. Oh, you've just erased 260 Premier League goals. Yeah, but that's that, that means that Harry Kane could become the greatest Premier League goal scorer quicker. So I've justified it to myself. Yeah, <laughs> selfless. Um, for the love of football, I'm playing Rooney. Now, my, my problem with Drogba is he died so much. And I'd loved him, but he did stop a civil war, you know. So 
turns and roundabouts. But I'm going to play Rooney for the love of football. I'm going to play Shearer for the goals, bench job, but just because he dived so much. Right, say that again. Rooney play bench Shearer, erased job. All right. And last but not least, uh, Ashley Cole, Robertson or Irwin? You have to play Ashley Cole, don't you? Um, Bench Dennis Irwin because every team needs a player that looks like your uncle. And uh, it <laughs> raised Andy Robertson. Who's the Spurs one that looks like your uncle? Maybe Eric Dyer, like your, your dad's younger brother? Or um, Ian Walker. Ian Walker. Ian Walker looks like your mum's slightly creepy little brother. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like you used to have FHM calendars. Boy, yeah, and like what to take you down to his local nightclub. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oof. It's hard, put, it's hard putting three together, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard. It's good, they've I got like to sort game. of be on a par. They've got to be on a par to like. That's it. That is hard, but it's good. And that last one was really hard, Jack. I think that I think that's such a good game. That we had a horrible one last week, where didn't I think I ended up erasing Harry Kane or something last week in one you of did. them. You it did. was just it, it was just it was an absolutely horrible, horrible. I can't remember who the other players that's, were. But that's that doesn't it, make any sense, Jack. It doesn't matter who doesn't matter who the other players are. Wasn't it Bale, Modric, Kane? Yes, it was. It was Bale, Modric, and Kane, and I started Bale. Benched Modric and erased Kane. I think in that in that scenario, I might erase um, Bale. It was a horrible question. My bad. Bad. <laughs> but I had a lot that were built for you as well, and you you didn't rise to any of the baits. Right? No, I didn't. No, yeah, he was, he was. He tried to goad me with Stephen Carr at one point, and I was really like, I'm did. not biting. I'm not biting on that. Great goal, but I'm not biting on it. <laughs> With one contribution, not just one contribution, but you know. Um, right then, any other business? Well, next time we speak, we're either going to be delighted or crying into our microphones. Well, because we record Sunday evening, it will be like 90 minutes after the end of it as well, so we could be really miserable. Oh, well, I've got, to, I've got to drop my nephew back home, so I, hopefully, I'll be back in time. We can, we can push them back, but anyway, anyway, we'll we'll make sure it works. We'll just wait. It's all right because I'm on the bench, so who cares? Uh, do I need to <laughs> apologise publicly because that was Absolutely. purely? No, no, no. Look, there'll be a you... statement. There'll be a statement. I think the next few days come out on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry that you feel sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to cause any offence. Yeah. Or be tweet something like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh. oh, the cat's come to join us. Hi, Scoo. And on that bombshell, it's time to end this show. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a week. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future's bright, the future's really white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is.
Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.